Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek Next Generation rewatch podcast. Ours has on-the-set, behind-the-scenes stories, all the magic behind the production. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount Studios, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon Hobbs, how are we doing today? Wonderful, Mitch. I'm, yeah? I'm a little under the weather, as you can probably tell. I seem to have caught the common cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we have an arsenal of things to discuss today. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I am feeling particularly above the weather right now. So in all things balance. It, it all, yes, it all balances out. I do feel better about that. It makes yeah. me feel very secure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's important to uh, recognize the good times along with the bad. Of and, course. Uh, you know, we are, special announcement for everybody at home, we're coming at you guys from our brand new studio we just had a big move recently yeah and now it's uh it's it's the new place the new studio the new digs yeah yeah it's uh i mean it's not completely set up yet but uh it's comfy it's cozy yeah we got liking it a lot we got the uh the foam on the walls the soundproofing so we can just scream as loud as we want and it's fine yeah yeah it's it's great the neighbors can't hear us uh no more no more uh letters posted to our door Yep, yep. You could commit murder in this room and nobody would know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's perfect. Alright, speaking of things that are perfect, um, that would be you guys out there listening. All of our fans are perfect little people, and we support them. And the way we support them is by answering your guys' questions. This That's week's right. question of the week comes from a fan named Bob O. Out in Lancashire. Lancashire, Lancashire, in England. And uh, Bob asks, Hey guys, I just want to say that my family and I are eternally readier. We gather around and listen to the show every week. My kid is quickly becoming the Trekkie I always wanted her to be, lol. Anyway, (laughs) Trek International? What fun stories do you have of the cast going to different countries? Maybe for a shoot or an event or something? Ready, ready early yours, Bob. Oh, Bob. I, wow. I'm very, very proud of you, Bob, for making readier ensigns out of your whole clan. Um, hopefully it's a, it's the quality bonding time all families need when you gather around, um, you know, the, the iPhone and put the earbuds in your ear together. It's great, 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 great thing for a family to do. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's important. It's important to make sure that your children are watching the same media that you did. Exactly. Uh, 30, 40 years ago. Um, yes. It really builds character. And, you know, Trek is unlike anything else. Um, and it's, it's, it's better than anything today. Um, clear moral values uh, that can be instilled in children. I don't understand the shows today, so mm. I don't like them. Right. And my children shouldn't either. Well, it's nice because when uh, the children go to school, they'll have something new to talk about with with their friends right and uh make new friends that way it's like hey guys check this out i was watching this 40 year old science fiction serial um right what what do you you think about it and they're they're gonna be the talk of the town exactly instant instant uh topic of conversation can start it up with anybody make new friends perfect love bob's parenting great parent definitely well so anyway bob bob jr everybody out there mrs bob you have a really good question um there's one story in particular that that comes to mind um when i think about trek international and it was when there was an event in england in london i believe um i remember marina was super super stoked about it you know she's from england so she had this chance to kind of go home and introduce everybody in her home country to tng to trek um which had never really caught on the original series uh over there up to that point so it was a big opportunity for her. you know producers were in it it was a whole thing but unfortunately a lot of our cast members aside from marina kind of weren't feeling it so much i think frakes in particular was not very happy about it 
He's like, oh man, I think he said, I don't want to visit that shithole tea island. Very, very savage about about England in general. And like, you know, Gates was... Gates had a pretty reasonable concern, I think, that the English just kind of weren't smart enough to appreciate Trek. Which a lot of us uh, yeah. were like, oh yeah, kind of makes sense. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in their own way, everybody kind of made it clear that they just were not interested in going. Uh, Marina went by herself. Um, along with some producers, and they kind of mentioned to us later on that there's a lot of crying on that that airplane ride. She was uh, mm-hmm. was pretty despondent over the whole thing, but uh, you know, we have a lot of fun international stories about TNG. Uh, if more you want to hear more of them, just feel free to to send in more questions asking about it. I mean, I think the Greece story in particular would be a good one, but we can't give it all all the way at once. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so. Bob, thank you for for coming in, uh, writing your question. We appreciate it. Bob Jr., uh, I hope you grow up to be the Trekkie that your father is. And uh, if you want your question answered, feel free to send us an email at thereadyroom at gmail.com. It's capital T, capital R, and another capital R. Or you can tweet at us or DM our Twitter account, which is at thereadyroom. And uh, we'll answer your question pre-recorded on the show. All right. So... This week's episode, which I have on good authority, is episode number 20. Yes. 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 Which is called The Arsenal of Freedom. Um, I suspect that we might have different opinions on this episode. Because wow. you, 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 we were talking and like, oh, I'm excited to talk about this one. I have a lot to say. And I'm like, man, this episode did not stick out in my mind at all in any way. It's it's a ghost of an episode, whereas I have very little say about it. So I'm curious. Yeah, well, I, I don't I don't know if I had a lot to say so much as um, I liked part. Of, I liked a specific aspect of this episode, and um, kind of in spite of everything else about it, mm-hmm. and that was uh, watching Jordy contend with being in command and being under pressure and. Um, that that whole side of the episode, which I thought was an interesting side to his character, I thought it was a a fun challenge to see him put through. Mm. Uh, but the way we get to it is so contrived, and everything that's happening outside of of Jordy's conflict is ridiculously boring. That's the thing. Um, this episode is kind of um, a tale of three stories that only vaguely. Uh, impact one another yeah and it, because of that like usually these things are split into an a plot and a b plot but now we have a c plot in there and all of these pull time from one another that in my mind none of them get really all that well developed i guess i agree that the Jordy stuff is the best of it but yeah i i just never really felt all that invested in anything because it only got yeah. so much screen time and then we cut away to this other shit that really doesn't matter about anything uh, yeah I, I don't know how many times we've said this already probably like at least half a dozen times but it's it's an interesting concept trap in a bad episode right well the the idea of like oh Jordy's um in particular is now the captain or acting captain has happened before he's been in charge which is yeah, re- yeah. weird to me that that well was revisited twice this early it's, it's a bit different though because now he's under like extreme stress the enterprise is about to be destroyed you know right. yeah so it, it is a different situation it is it is it's just you know you have this whole cast of characters um it takes dr crusher like seven seasons to to be in the captain's chair and jordy does it twice in like 15 episodes <laughs> right 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 like i know we it, were trying actually... to push for black history month the last time but now there i don't really remember there being a clear reason for it yeah um lots of black victory in this episode lots of black excellence for sure um it 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 made me wonder uh this is a bit of a tangent but it made me wonder who who would be in control of the bridge if jory was gone you mean like the same situation but jordy was not there too yes um who's next in line well, Worf is a main character, which is... I guess it would be Worf, wouldn't it? That's good enough justification, I feel. There's also Troy, 
who also in various points in the, the rest of the run sits in the captain's chair at different times. Um, right. Despite being a you know a therapist. <laughs> then if it's not one of those two, I don't think it would have to just be some like random person on the bridge, not an ensign, because that's the lowest rank. But right, right. no, I mean, Maybe all, all ensigns are great, though. We we love ensigns. We love ensigns. Yeah, we love our ensigns. We love that's our sure. ensigns. So I don't know, but that is a good question, and yeah. I guess in some ways that justifies the choices made in this episode, um, because I think that every member of the away team has a reason to be there. And I don't think that Worf would kind of outrank Jordy in, in taking the bridge. <laughs> I mean, right. Nor would he do a very good job. I mean, he, he clearly didn't. Uh, he actually, I mean, Worf was interesting in this episode. And uh, it's actually one of the reasons you can tell this, this episode was kind of produced in a hurry. Because uh, Worf spends a significant chunk of the episode uh, performing like advanced mathematics, uh, you know, instead of his usual screaming and right. hitting the computers. Um, and I mean, I guess unsurprisingly, this role was meant to go to a, you know, a guest character. Um, but the script was finished so late that we just didn't have time to cast him or her. Uh, so Worf kind of just unexpectedly became this much more complex character than we originally intended. I mean, he's standing behind Jordy, giving him like all these calculations of when when you know the the invisible ship is going to be in in range or whatever mm. um and it was it was a stark contrast to his depiction up to this point i would say um but luckily we were able to remedy this um pretty quickly by just never having him do this kind of thing ever again um it was it's, it's good I, I was just gonna say it's 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 a little bit jarring don't you think yeah it was a sudden burst of competency is how I would describe yeah. it. And yeah. when you um, basically vacate everybody but Worf from the bridge, all the names characters, all the principal characters, you know, Worf does have to step up to do something. He can't just stand in the background suggesting that we fire at it and get rebuffed. He's got to do something. Right, right. So I, I, guess, I guess it was kind of just a necessity, really, but it's, uh, it's certainly odd. Certainly odd. I, I I kind of couldn't suspend my disbelief. I mean, I guess you know when you when you think about it, everyone at Starfleet does have to be uh, extremely competent. You know, I mean, we we just saw a couple episodes ago um, how they they wasted their time, um, you know, examining four students and only one of them got the job. Right. Yes. I'm still kind of vexed about that whole thing. I'm I'm very vexed about that. It's just strange. Um, so this, the, the premise of this episode is that the Enterprise comes upon a planet that is devoid of life as per their scans, and it, they encounter like a pre-recorded message welcoming them, and the thrust of this right. planet is that there, it's like a one big arms dealer, like a weapons manufacturing planet that... Can I, can I just say how, how hilarious it was that Picard got duped by like an answering machine, basically? <laughs> like, like, that's never happened before? I, I, I cannot believe that. What's great about it is that it takes like a decent amount of time for him to catch on to. <laughs> he just thinks the guy keeps interrupting him for like two minutes. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, actually, b before we continue on, Stepping back, uh, we learned that uh, that Riker was actually offered uh, command of yes. his own ship. I wrote this down. Um, I, I was surprised that this was, because I forgot about this, I, I was surprised that this was introduced so early. The idea that Riker yeah. um, intentionally turned down captain uh, positions to serve on the Enterprise. Right. It, it does kind of make you wonder, like, where can this character really go now? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, he's, he's already been shown to kind of equal Picard in in terms of like in Starfleet's eyes, you know? Right. Uh, so really, what's he doing here? Uh, but the only reason I wrote this down was because he kind of makes these bedroom eyes at Picard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when? I don't know if you noticed that. Well, so uh, I, th I think it's Yar who, who kind of like incredulously asks him, 
while he's sitting uh, in his chair next to Picard, she asks, you know, you, you were given, you were offered command of your own ship. Why didn't you take it or whatever? And uh, Riker kind of looks up and stares into Picard's eyes and, you know, says something about how, how much he wanted to be on the Enterprise. You know, I think I, uh, I do, I can visualize that shot when yeah. it happens. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just a little uncomfortable. But. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's the only, you know, look Frakes knows. <laughs> yes it is usually usually it's uh it's, usually he's interacting with a woman but. it's either that or the uh the, the the bewilderment you know eyebrow raise right right with 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 one eye kind of like more closed than the other yes yeah yeah <sighs> but uh anyway yeah so so uh i'm sorry i interrupted you uh no, so we are, so, it was so, that guy on the answering machine which is our first guest star of the episode which yep. was a, he was fun to have on the set. A little annoying in some ways because, like, a few of the actors thought that what, what was the syndrome? Like Mustafar syndrome, Mar Marfan Marfan syndrome, right? A few of the actors well, thought yeah. you could like catch it, you know, by being in contact with the guy. Yes, so, yes, that's right. So it was this whole thing, but you know, he was a nice guy, and he was once you put that aside, he was easy to work with. I mean, it was nice because he he. Did bring some star power to the episode, and I think he kind of stole every scene he was in. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, he was—he was a character. I—I I don't know if it was his his syndrome or what, but um, you know, like so he—he he actually gave the Echo Papa its its final name, right? Because mm -hmm. um, the lines that were that were originally written for him referred to it as something like I don't know DX one thousand, you know, the universe appropriate kind of name, um, just generic, you know, right? Um, but Vincent, uh, for some reason, insisted on Echo Papa six oh seven. Um, so he's reading his lines. Where, you know, it's 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 the first take, and um, you know, Les calls out to correct him, and and Vincent just starts flailing around and spitting on the camera cue crew, uh, just yelling Echo Papa, Echo Papa, you know. Right. Um, and you know, we, we we kind of had to just let him let him have it, you know. Uh, became became a bit of a joke around the set, you know. Whenever. Um something happened that's like uh you know it can't really be helped you know we just kind of look at each other and be like echo papa echo uh, papa. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah um because i mean when you think about it uh what kind of name really is echo papa uh for you know a, a military weapon right um and uh I, I still don't know to this day where that came from it's weird 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 choice but you know yeah. it worked and um He's generally a weird guy, so not too surprised. But it was it was fun having him there. Very unlike a lot of the guest stars that we have that have more detracting experience or feel to their presence. Um, he was the opposite, more of a contributor. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I like that. Um, the conceit of that that whole setup, where it's an arms dealer, the uh, the Federation is generally a peaceful organization um it feels at odds with the federation as opposed to them encountering a planet that feels like it's already a part of the federation in a lot of ways or could join the federation right. pretty easily um this feels more out there and right I, to me this this feeling extends to like the planet itself they eventually get an away team and go down there where i i kind of felt that this planet was sufficiently alien um, in yeah. in a lot of ways. Not yeah. just the look of it, but the, the threat that is posed feels like an alien threat. It's for once, and I, you know, I like the more subdued stuff, but it's also nice when it's not just a, a boardroom meeting with another culture that is the, the, the conflict of the alien planet. Right, right. It's actually like violence, you know. Right. And and it's like kind of unknowable, strange violence where it's like okay, well, there's these robots and they keep coming back, but they keep like evolving. And I did, no I did love, uh, I did love the the projection of Bryce. Yeah, uh, big when they first went. big oblivion NPC energy that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it. Actually, yes, uh, I thought. Uh, I thought uh, the, the actor there did a great job of uh, just making this the creepiest performance possible. Right. It was intentionally intentionally off-putting. Although I, I would say that this moment oust Stryker as being just a complete idiot, moron. 
So he eventually catches on, but at the right. on the outside of this, they like they know there's no life signs on the entire planet. And Riker just comes across this guy standing in the middle of the jungle, and he's like, oh, "What's the guy's name?" Rice. 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 He's like, "Rice, how the hell are you?" It's me, Riker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he just happens to show up. Right. And um. Yeah, but aside from like that moment of Riker idiocy, which you know is is not in not an irregular occurrence. Um, right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool scene. And you know, Riker eventually catches on, and it. You know, they they suss out what's happening, right? And, uh, and it's uh, it's a fun. Riker gets frozen. Yeah, he gets, <laughs> little force field gets frozen in the force field. But it's um, it's intriguing. I would say, like you, yeah. as that situation gets pieced together, it does a good job of building your interest. Um, so yeah, Riker gets frozen in that force field once they, you know, figure out or make it apparent that they figured out that this thing is not on the level. And um, yep. that, that scene, those scenes, that was a fun day on the set. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite memories of this episode is Frakes, you know, acting that out. So, you know, of course, um, on the set itself, there's no special effects or anything. You know, Frakes just has to stand there. But Brent, in a moment of unparalleled genius uh decided that today would be the day that he played a practical joke on one jonathan frakes which was rare it was rare very very unbrent like but yeah but i'll take it because this is this is amazing um so they're filming that and the scene is denise brent and john and brent goes up to frakes between takes you know rhyme and uh he's like telling the story of this movie he was in where he's working with Marlon Brando and Brando doing this whole method acting thing, staying in character between takes and, you know, until they finished uh, shooting and the way that it heightened his acting and it was uh, what all the best actors do. And, you know, Brando, of course, Academy Award winner, fantastic, one of the best actors of all time. So Frakes is just eating this up. He's like, uh, yeah, I get that, that. That does make sense. Right. Yeah, I could, I could do that. And um, he decides that this is when he's going to do it. So Frakes is going to be in character for the entire shoot. And what that translates to is Frakes standing there perfectly still, even when the camera cuts. And <laughs> what already would be a long day, the amount of scenes that they had to film, was elongated because Brent's you know recognizing the the opportunity that he's created kept flubbing his lines on purpose just to extend oh extend the shooting it's, just over and over it was wonderful and um you can see like the shots from later in the day that made it into the final cut frakes is like kind of you know unsteady wobbling around he looks like yeah. very tired because he had been standing perfectly still like that for i don't know eight ten hours something absurd um jesus it was it was crazy but at the end of the year, Frakes was pissed that the the, the Emmy nomination never came in. And uh, I know, you know, it's a damn shame, really. It is. It that is. Was but unfortunately, those things don't scale with the the amount of work you put in. It's uh right, yeah, right. But he it's, wasn't here. Uh, it. It's all a all a racket, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's people congratulating themselves and and those yeah academies and such. You know. Hashtag uh, Frakes got snubbed. Yeah, let's start that. Let's start that instance. But all of this stuff, like on that planet, I think is cool. And I, I've like I've said this before, I have an affinity for the like the soundstage planets that we had. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. the um the the lit blue flat background. That's supposed right. to be the sky. Um I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy how fake it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, stuff. I uh, I think you liked it more than I did. That that aspect of it, I thought the Echo Papa was a, a very stupid uh, thing to have to contend with. It, it oh, just looked I thought it was cute. Like it certainly yeah, looks bad, but I thought it was in a cute way. I don't know. It, it it felt it felt it felt like it was less of a threat than it actually presented itself to be. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, they do salt, despite the fact that it's evolving, they 
they kill it the exact same way every time. It's like, all right, let's right, point right. our phasers at it. Now let's yeah. all point our phasers at it. It is it is hilarious. Uh, there there's a shot where like all three of them are shooting, uh, uh, Riker, Yar, and Data, mm. and um, it, it looks like Frakes has no idea what he's doing. He just has this like very bewildered face. <laughs> the one face he knows how to make. Actually, I think it was a different face. It was a different bewildered. Face. Really? Wow. Yeah, he looked like he was like a deer in the headlights. Like he really didn't know what was going on. Well, it's it's like all right, point this dust buster at this unspecified point beyond the camera, and uh, right, look, right. Look and intense. to be fair, this, this was after again hours of standing around, so he was a little disheveled. True, true. Can't blame him. I don't know though. Um, I I liked. I mean, I've been over this. The, the whole inhuman alien kind of mystery of the this sentry system that is that is changing. Um, I I think is is an intriguing thing for them to contend with. Had it been handled more interestingly than just we'll point our phasers at it again, um, I think it could have been cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a bad idea, you know, landing on a planet that kind of still has this this AI active that uh, is learning how to how to kill people better. But uh, execution wise, I just thought it was extremely dull yeah i feel that uh, i feel that yeah yeah um so picard goes down to the planet for absolutely no reason yeah i once you started saying that in my head i'm like why did he go down yeah yeah he had no reason to when they're getting the away team together yar specifically says let's get a light away team to feel right. things out and then we'll send for more people which is sensible, I guess, but I don't think the send for more people entailed the captain of the entire ship. <laughs> right, and uh, to add insult to injury, the second he beats down on the planet, Data basically says, oh, I know how to fix this. Um, so now Picard and, uh, Crusher. and uh, Crusher are on the planet for basically no reason, and they stay there. Right, they they don't just go back. They're like, all right, right, let's let's fuck around and find out. Right. So their story, theirs is the third story of these three. We mentioned Jordy, we mentioned the away team. Is that they get they fall in a hole, like a cavern, right. and uh, like Crusher gets fucked up, breaks her leg or something, gash in her head. Yeah, that was painful to watch. Yeah, and uh, the the seventy year old Patrick Stewart's just fine. <laughs> I guess she broke his fall. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I conceptually, I think that's a fine-ish idea. It's like, oh, the doctor is injured, and now I have to. Picard has to care for her, and like their history comes out in like these uh, quieter moments in between all that. Like, yeah, that that could you. There's an idea there. But I don't think any of the character stuff was handled well enough at all to to justify this. I mean, that whole scene was, ba or that collection of scenes was basically rewritten pretty late in the game. Because originally it was supposed to be uh, much more, it was originally supposed to have much more romantic overtones to it. Huh. And uh, Gene put the kibosh on that. Basically, so so they they had to kind of rewrite it in such a way that it didn't do that, uh, even though it still kind of does. It still like hints at it a little bit, you know, a little bit. But there is it, it's subtle. there's one moment in particular that came to came across to me as particularly cold and inhuman, which is probably uh, a result of this. Um, Picard is exploring around a cavern, and it's right before he finds the console. Crusher's, like, talking, um, and she's kind of, like, fading away, speaking, like, half-awake. Doesn't really sound yeah. all there. And she says something, and Picard just brushes her off, and he's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, look at this, there's a console here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Patrick sounds very, like, uninterested uh, right. throughout most of those scenes. Uh, he's, he's walking around the room just saying, you know, uh, come on, Doctor, stay awake. Stay awake for me. No. 
Yeah, not... Uh, and they're supposed to at least be friends. If you want to remove the romantic aspect, that's fine. But they right. they have a clear history together. I mean, they, they almost fucked in the naked now, for God's sake. Yes, yes. So I don't, uh, I don't buy... I don't buy what's the finished product. I know that it wasn't originally supposed to be like this, but yes, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And you know, that, that scene where, where Crusher says, you know, she needs warmth. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you like cuddle up with her, you know, like any, any like normal human being, like yeah. try to keep her warm. You know what I mean? Like th that, that threw me off. Like that's not something that like <laughs> a, a, a captain of a ship uh, would do is just leave someone to, to freeze. Picard like throws some sand on her. Yeah, uh, which if, if you if you remember correctly, um, that sand was uh, filled with mites. Right, right, right. Which Gates was not happy about. Gates was not happy about many things going on. No, no. I mean, this was this was basically the the climax of her particular arc of uh, dissatisfaction. And every every yeah. cast member had their own. You know, they were all mutinying at one point or another. So you know, Gates wanted out of the show, and you know, if you've watched any amount of TNG, you probably know that she wasn't in season two. So initially, she's like, "Get me out! Of, I'm done. This is my last episode. Fucking done with this." And that's why the episode is what it is. Doctor Crusher's really injured. And she's getting crushed by different debris and sand and whatnot. It was supposed to be her demise. Um, not to spoil the end of the episode, but this, I think it was Rick who convinced her to stay on till the end of the season, like yeah. really at the last minute. So there's one line at the end, which was going to be, ah, Dr. Crusher succumbed to her injuries and then you would just cut the credits and she'd be dead. But we changed it really quick to Dr. Crusher's going to be okay. And then cut <laughs> the credits. Right. right. Very smooth. Very smooth. Right. You would never know that something was changed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did, we did a great job with that, I do say so. Myself. And you know what? Credit to Rick here. Um, yes, Gates was not in Season 2, but by extending her stay in Season 1, keeping the door open, led to her coming back in Season 3, and was a yes. was a prized member of the cast from from then on. Yes, it was uh, definitely a shame to lose her uh, the first time, and uh, equally as wonderful to have her back, so... Yeah, it was it was particularly annoying because her absence meant that you know Meanie had to have a lot more screen time to fill the redhead quota. Right, right. And I don't think anybody was happy with that. Yeah, that did not go over too well. Um, side note: mm -hmm. Have you noticed how uh, when people are walking down the corridors of the Enterprise, they kind of like almost check each other? <laughs> All right, let's 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 dive into this. Um, it it just it kind like, of bothers like me. Like physically, yes, yeah, yeah. It just seems passive aggressive. There is a lot of that. There is a lot of very deliberate, uh, sterile walking. Yeah, they they don't really like acknowledge each other. Right. They yeah, come very close to bumping into each other. Just fucking wave to each other, or be like, "Oh, sorry, right. excuse me." Give give a nod, maybe. Right. You know, even when people walk by the captain, most of the time they don't do anything. You would think that they would, yeah, like, not, I guess they don't salute in Starfleet, but something. Do they not salute? I don't think I've ever seen them salute. I think someone does salute. I think someone did salute already to the captain. But I might be wrong. Maybe they all do the the Vulcan finger thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the silly Dr. Spock thing. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, actually, uh, Ensign, if you know uh, how to appropriately greet a Starfleet captain, please email us, tweet at us, uh, let us know. Big, big uh, piece of lore to, to set straight. Yeah. Well, it's important to know, for sure. So, it, oh, so uh, I, I guess... Actually, yeah. I, there's, there's one note that I have here before we move on from the Crusher Picard stuff. Uh, I'm just going to read this to you... Um, how I wrote it down, depending on what I was thinking at the time. This is exactly as my notes are. Um, the, this Crusher-Picard scene is half interesting drama and half doctor-patient sexy roleplay. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When he's when she's telling him how to like, uh, yeah, smear the root on her on her leg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which which is absolutely hilarious to think of that as as sexual role play. <laughs> I don't know why um, it was something about like the the stilted uh, mechanical uh, instruction of like ostensibly medical things that right that don't quite sound on the level but it's like oh i'm the doctor let's elevate your foot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can definitely see that uh just just the awkwardness alone mm-hmm. really uh really helped okay so we've um we're kind of at what i, we, I think we would both agree is is the best part of of the episode which is the geordie stuff as we alluded to yeah. before yeah. um where Jordy is put in command of like a skeleton crew and is under pressure and has to like overcome that situation something that's new to him all the while uh not only the danger of the lives that he's responsible for but a higher ranking officer breathing down his neck um questioning yeah. his yeah. Uh, his abilities yeah yeah uh like I said, lots of interesting stuff here. Um, and you got, you got Marina, uh, 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 Troy trying to be a relevant character. Yeah. And just kind of failing. Yeah. Yeah. She, like what she has a talk with Jordy that does really nothing. Cause Jordy never, the whole point is, Oh, Jordy, your crew's scared. You got to be the captain and inspire confidence in them, which Jordy never does. And they never really yeah, look right. outwardly nervous or anything. And at, at, uh, at, at one point, well, okay, so there actually is um, kind of foreshadowing, I guess, if you can call it that, to that, um, when, uh, what's her name, Ensign Two, like, she's, she's, she's making mistakes or going slowly, and she seems a little flustered. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, she's like, oh, I can't find the pattern. And Jordy walks over, yeah, and one second yeah. later, he's like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> right, right. And uh, Jordy's solution to this uh, near the end of this space battle uh, was to say, "You've earned the right to be in those chairs," which, which I guess is, you know, it's it's something to say, I guess. But sorry, next time the actually competent people leave the ship, I'll call you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, exactly. Although Ensign Sue was very cute. She was. Did did you did you see this thing on Twitter? I know you're not as active on Twitter as I am, but did did you see this with her? Oh, what is it? So the actress, I do not remember her name, but recently the the stop Asian hate hashtag was a big thing, right? And yeah, yeah, of course. She tweeted about this episode in reference to that hashtag. Um, uh huh. So you remember the the original vision of the, of her character is that Ensign Sue would constantly all of her lines would be excerpts from the Art of War Sun Tzu. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Yes, that was such a good idea. Right. 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 And it was you know a cool reference, um, a nice homage to the culture, um, us paying our respects, uh, the writers paying their respects. It was a great great thing. And she was pissed about it. She comes in. She's like, I can't, this is yeah. this is. Um, stereotyping this is not gonna work i can't say these lines how dare you and it's like come on like we we cast a korean actress specifically we wanted to pay tribute to like all the orientals out there it's complaining about it like what is the what what are you even accomplishing had that original script gone through and like our vision friends and sue made it to fruition the amount of just Asian Trekkies would have exploded. It's a, yeah. I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of flustered about it. It's like, you know, maybe you're the hateful one in all this. Like, consider that the next time you know some Laotian girl out there isn't able to to see herself on the screen just because you had to shut down the the yeah. Sun Tzu stuff. And that's the thing: representation matters. Like, yes, and it, exactly. If, if you're going to refuse to, you know, portray. Uh, your culture on screen maybe we should be just hiring white people right and you know we've always we always tried to have a diverse cast and 
yeah. so, sometimes it's easier than others, I guess I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, well, some people played ball and stayed in their lane. Right. And other, others did. did not and weren't asked back on the show. So there's yep. that. There you go. There you go. Oh. I think at some point in the episode, you can see your nipples through a shirt. <laughs> uh, so. I think at every point it looks like you can see her nipples, but I don't think they're actually her nipples. Right, I think it's a, a ruffle in, in uh, an yeah. unfortunately placed ruffle in the clothing, in the costume. But I, I do like to imagine they were her nipples, for sure. It certainly adds another layer to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I guess before we get to the saucer set. Right, which which I wrote in my notes in all caps. I, I did as well, and four exclamation points. Uh, before we get to the saucer set, I guess there's there's this, di- you kind of alluded to it, there's this dynamic between Jordy and uh, who is, is suddenly the chief engineer. Uh, Argyle is not, is not there. Right, there's a lot of turnover on the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, well, so so there, there is a bit of a story behind that, um, which I guess I can get into. I mean, so Originally with engineering, the whole point was that we, we wanted to show kind of the pitfalls of, of a mismanaged and chaotic department, mm. uh, you know, in engineering, just to contrast with our crew, which was pretty strictly hierarchical, the, the bridge crew. Uh, and so the whole idea here was that no one on the Enterprise could actually decide who should be the chief engineer. So everyone in engineering just kind of called themselves that. Um, and the rest of the crew was just forced to play along because, you know, they were the ones powering the ship, running the engines. Right. Uh, without engineering, the ship wouldn't move. So, you know, we started building this up pretty well. Uh, a lot of the early episodes had engineering issues. Um, and the bridge crew would tend to be the ones solving the engineering issues, right? Right. Um, but Gene just started arbitrarily enforcing his rules, as usual, on a creative team. And uh, we were just left with this holdover of this concept. It just made it seem like we didn't know what we were doing. Very um, frustrating. Yeah, and so you know, uh, we 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 had a lot of people um, write in 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 support in favor of Argyle. Team Argyle, uh, we said. Yeah, yeah. I was Team Argyle myself. The only problem is all of these letters came in before the Argyle episode aired, so there was no way. This, these, these could have been real fans. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yes, it's uh, a bit... It was a coordinated effort. Mm. A bit of an so, underhanded tactic. Exactly. So, uh, you know, despite everything, despite the overwhelming support, Argyle got axed. And uh, now we are left with... Um, what is his name? What is his name? What is his name? Oh, no. Um, how, can, how can I have forgotten? It's it's some it's some it's a name it's it's a pretty normal name, um, I gotta look this up. I will not be able yeah. to sleep tonight if I do yeah. not know the name of this chief Check engineer. It real quick. Um, let's see. Chief engineer Logan. 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 That's right, Logan. Say it seven times. You'll remember it. Logan. 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 Golan. Ah shit. Uh, ah. I'll try again uh, later. Okay. So, so him yep. and Jordy have this power struggle, which is kind of one-sided in a way. Like, Jordy never really seems to to ever consider his position to, to be in question, which I guess is good, right? It's a show of yeah, confidence yeah. from Jordy. And ex- it, 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 it kind of it reads like one of those like uh, political comics you find online where one side is, you know... I'm goofy and right, like I'm shouting, I'm raising my voice, and yeah, yeah, like I'm calm and collected, looking smug. That's that's how that kind of played out. There is one moment which is solely a red herring for the audience, where like the the situation doesn't go right for Jordy, and he's like, Chief Engineer Logan reports to the bridge, and you know, as the audience, you're like, oh no, is he is he going to turn over the captain's chair? And right. uh, Logan struts onto the bridge, and he's like, "You, you rang," and uh, Jordy's uh-huh. like, "Yes, I need you to go back to engineering." And <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> well, when you put it like that. <laughs> That's how it is. That's exactly how it goes. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Um, uh, which it was, was, I don't know, it was dumb, but I, it didn't, like, bother me. No, I didn't really notice it. But but now that you've pointed it out, that is very funny. So the but whole struggle that yeah. that Jordy's facing is that the Enterprise is under fire by a weapon from that planet, the arms dealer planet. Yeah. And they can't, like, see it. It's invisible, so they can't lock onto it, they can't fight it. And, um, you know, Jordy tries his gambit, it fails, and he's like, all right, we're getting out of here. I'm going to separate the saucer. Yes, and then I sat up immediately. I'm like, oh my god. My god. It's the set. Finally. Yes, we get to to reuse the same shots of of the saucer (laughs) separating. Very economical. A lot of a lot of time and money went into this. So yeah, I remember having to go in and like clean out the cobwebs on the battle bridge set. It had been so yeah. long. It, it it had been a very long time. Um, yeah, I I was. I thought whatever Jordy was fighting was part of the Echo Papa, but I guess so it was. It doesn't make sense for it not to be, but at the same time, it right. kind of does. Like, it does from a logical perspective, it doesn't from a um, a writing perspective. From a Star Trek is kind of stupid perspective. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they eventually are able to shut down the Echo Papa, and I'm like, oh, so Jordy's fine, right? And he's like, no, I still gotta kill this thing. Yeah, see, that, that's what I thought would happen. Jordy just didn't, wouldn't have to do anything. Yeah, which I guess is good, where Jordy, like, solves his own problem. Yeah, yeah for sure. Although, I don't really get the uh that whole sequence of Jordy so his gam his is like plan for after they separate the saucer is to fly into the atmosphere of the planet which would cause his ship and presumably the other weapon to begin like burning up which would yeah. create some amount of like heat signature that they can then lock on from the other thing and blow it up but right it's presented as like Oh, we're entering atmosphere. the The hull is this hot, and we're in danger. Our ship is gonna gonna die or something. And it's like, what does the Enterprise never enter another planet's atmosphere? That that it's in danger of of uh, burning oh. up just on reentry. That is a very good point, and I didn't notice that. Yeah, and you know the it, the idea. Of how to destroy this this weapon makes sense. It's yeah. just there's manufactured danger. Like I don't really get why the the Enterprise lower section is is really at at peril here. Right. It would. It would. I mean, the Enterprise has to enter planets' atmospheres. Right. So yeah, it it really does make no sense why it would suddenly be burning up in this one. God. Wow. You're smart, Mitch. I never thought about that. You're right. I am smart. Anyway, um, that sequence kind of plays out, and um, you know, it's it's fun to see Jordy doing the captain stuff and uh, kind of getting over his. Then he had like, what is his emotional struggle in this? Like he's he he doesn't really have a confidence problem. He kind of bounces back pretty quickly when his plan fails. I, I, think, it, I think it's just an issue of like relative inexperience and you know having to prove yourself under a, a suddenly very dire situation. You know. Yeah, but I would have rather have had more. Um, yeah. Emotional struggle because all we get is like that scene where he's talking to Troy, and Jordy's like, "I'm nervous. I'm inexperienced. I'm nervous." Yeah. And it's it's just him kind of saying his feelings, or or Troy saying his feelings, right? Um, right. Without she, any, she's very good. At it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm using my Betazoid powers. The the first time that you're being the captain, you must be a little nervous. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, what a great character! Oh yeah, uh, but, but yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. That could have wish there was more to it. That could have happened if. They um, 
cut one of the other two stories and just had more time. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So, uh, again, this, this whole three-pronged approach to this episode it was not successful in the slightest. Didn't do it any favors, for sure. Yeah. We spend a lot of time uh, on Data jumping down a hole. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So... <laughs> This I didn't think about this, but it tickles me. Um, they, yeah, they eventually find Crusher and Picard, and Data's like, "Okay, I can jump down this hole." And Riker's like, "Are you sure?" And Data's like, "Yes." <laughs> and and um, Yar is then like, "Oh no, Data, you'll break." And Data's like, "No, I won't." It's like I don't get the rationale of ever like arguing with Data. Like what he's just yeah yeah I'm sure he's already calculated all this right but this this there's like several several lines of dialogue before Data just jumps in the hole and everything's fine yeah, yeah nothing happens right and you know what does he even do in the hole like him and Picard this this is the worst part of the episode this is so stupid um they go over to the console that Picard found which is like the control panel for the the weapon system and. Yep. Picard's like, okay, uh, redirect the targets. And Data's like, I can't. He's like, turn it off. And Data's like, I can't. And uh, he's like, well, destroy it. And he's like, I can't. And then Picard just asks the hologram, can you turn it off? And the hologram's like, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the solution was just to ask? And, and this is the system that destroyed all life on the planet? They couldn't just ask him to turn it off? Oh my god, yes. Yes, that was very stupid. Like, like no one thought to to kind of just, just tell the hologram that they're going to buy it. Right. It's ridiculous. I understand, like, not arriving to that immediately, but yeah. your entire species gets extinct before anybody has this thought? Like, what the, what the hell? And right. at least, like, we're talking about, oh, Geordi's um, threat wasn't linked to this thing. Well, at least that created the opportunity for uh, them to solve that problem in a clever way. Whereas this is like the exact opposite. It's very stupid, yeah. yeah. It's uh, just it, not really a solution. I was borderline offended seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I used so many question marks. I typed in all caps. The solution was asking for it to be shut off? Somehow it didn't bother me that much, but you know, when 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 you explain it like that, it is it is very stupid. It's incredibly stupid, um, offensively stupid. I yeah, it it grabbed me immediately with how much I didn't like it, and I was I was already not predisposed to like this episode, so yeah, seeing that rushed conclusion to to the threat was really dumb. Yes, very dumb. Especially when I was I was saying like, oh, I kind of like the. The, the threat that's posed here conceptually, this evolving century of alien technology. Um, oh, it's get, it's it's a smart system. It evolves to match what we're doing to it. You know, we gotta be smart too if we want to destroy... No, no just, just ask somebody to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind? Yeah. Do you, do you yeah, mind? I, you know, it's... it's... A common theme with these season one episodes, things just get resolved in the most unsatisfying ways. I mean, that's the end of this episode entirely. I timed it. It's like 30 or 90 seconds between when Geordi's ship blows up um, that weapon. Then they go back to the bridge with everybody there. So somebody rushes in and is like, Dr. Crush is going to be okay. And then the episode uh, yeah. ends. And it's yeah. like the most fluid 90 seconds of of rushed conclusion ever set to film yeah for all the time they spent running around that uh that set shooting their little lasers at the the, the echo papa you know they, they, they could have devoted some of that to actually wrapping this up right no no i'd rather just um i'd <laughs> i'd rather Riker, yar and data fire their phasers in sequence and then have a 10 second shot holding on the the sentry dying to it rather than yeah, it just yeah, exploding yeah. 
when they, when they teamed up, my jaw dropped. I, I my my mouth was agape. It's an epic team. I, I, yeah. Like damn, Riker can shoot like that. Oh, so impressive. So that's um that's the arsenal of freedom. I don't really get the title. Like why the yeah, what, what is freedom yeah. about it? We haven't talked about that, have we? There is an arsenal, but of freedom. I don't know if this is like a political commentary, an attempt at it. Like right. the United States industrial like a, military industrial it's complex. Really Palestine type thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And you know, I kinda of thought like, oh, this arms dealer kind of looks vaguely Jewish. Like what yeah. what are you what Absolutely, are you applying yeah. with this? Yeah. Well, you gotta yeah, be they, you, you know, gotta be careful about picking sides in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean because you know, um, well, I don't want to say it, but you know, it's already hard enough for guys like us, I guess. Exactly. Given that we're not part of the chosen people, but no. in any case, um, yeah, I guess I guess that's it, huh? Uh, I wouldn't really recommend this episode to anyone. Oh, me neither. I um, this is in my bottom quartile of season one episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Super boring, but, super structurally flawed. Yeah, it it still wasn't as boring as the naked. No, no. At least, the, but at least the vacant now, the naked now was like confusing and bewildering. I guess it was sufficiently dumb enough. Right. Yeah, I I, I guess I take that back, huh? This was but just there were more boring episodes for sure. Certainly, certainly. So not a recommendation. Gets like a. Like a two out of six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say that's fair. All right. Um, so my question for you this week. You, are you up to it with your with your sickness? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm powering through. Don't worry. Then I'm game. So Jordy takes command of the Enterprise uh, twice so far, right? Yeah. How many more times across the series does he take command of the Enterprise? Are we counting movies? No. Okay. And Jordy specifically. Um, Jordy specifically. Part of me wants to say zero. Because I'm trying to think. I can think of times when basically every other member of the cast has taken control of the Enterprise. And of course I can think of Jordy in season one. But Nothing is jumping to mind of Jordy in the captain's chair going forward from this. And rather than just choose a number that I really have no idea about, yeah, I'm going to go with zero, because that's what my memory's saying. Well, I guess that was a, that was a freebie for you, huh? Oh. I was expecting you to overthink this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wow, wow, you're really getting the hang of this. Yeah, I, um... Well, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but now that um, COVID has been... Uh, letting up a bit and vaccinations have been rolling out you know the weekly trek trivia night at at the local bar has been starting back up and uh yeah i've been sneaking out there without you so wow mm-hmm. wow unbelievable after the um un- undeniable humiliation of going like oh for six or something in the first first few weeks i uh, i had to step up my game well you're catching up so i'm proud of you Hopefully I can get to that uh, prized 50-50 record. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. I'll, I'll give you a few low balls. Don't worry. Nothing will ever top predicting the question. Yeah, that, 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 was, <laughs> that was the highlight of my life. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I was so angry. <laughs> Which made it all, all worth it for me. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that'll about do it for this episode of The Readier Room. Join us next time for episode 21. We're rapidly approaching the end of this season, and uh, very soon we'll we'll be crusherless. But yes. until next time, everybody, I implore you, please, stay ready. The troublesome little man-child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been...
told him to mind his own damn business. But I'll stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Computer! Freeze program. It's not a promising beginning, beginning, beginning.